also just say to Representative Smith, thank you for representing our dear sister, Sergeant Teresa King, who sits behind you. She was the first female drill instructor at Fort Jackson. Quite honestly, they didn't do her right. They did not do her right. But Representative James Smith took on her case. And as of this day, he's still fighting on her behalf. So all of us to you say thank you. We are so proud of Sergeant King and amen. There's a word from the Lord as we continue this series called The Harvest. This is the third message in this series. We've deviated from the original plan because of Father's Day and wanted to share this message on this special day. The gospel that has been recorded by St. Luke, chapter 15, verses 20 to 24, the New Living Translation. I know we're running about 10 minutes behind our normal schedule, but can I, may I, should I preach? Amen. Look at somebody and say, don't you dare tip out. Amen. And you have my permission. If they not, you give them a Holy Ghost nudge. I did say a Holy Ghost nudge. Amen. And tell them, watch this. God has a word for you. Listen to the reading of God's holy word, beginning at verse 20. Concerning the young man who drifted away and his father who faithfully believed in his return. Verse 20 says, so when the young man returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, Pastor Hamilton, it says, filled with love and compassion, the father ran to his son and embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine, was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. And those that love God's word said amen. Our subject for this third message in this series, the series is simply called The Harvest is this, the second clause says, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him come in. <laughs> and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him come in. Catch the hands of someone that's standing next to you as we share the subject for today's message. Amen. Hold on to these, those hands because this is a two-part subject. 
first part of the subject simply says a long way off. Second part says the faith of a godly father. That's our assignment for today. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. A long way off. <laughs> the faith of a godly father. One of the things that we as people of faith must always remember is that our adversary, the enemy, the devil, our adversary is a master deceiver. Can the church say amen? And his goal is to entice us as people of faith to walk away from God's plan and God's purpose for our lives. I said to the congregation earlier this morning, the devil knows that God will never give up on us. So it is his mission to convince us to give up on God. It is his desire, the enemy's desire, to somehow convince us as believers to live a life of rebellion, life of disobedience. Because he knows that a life of rebellion and disobedience leads to a life of misery, a life of destruction. The enemy knows that when you turn against God, your life will go out of control. He knows that nothing goes right in your life and that you're headed for destruction. And it is his desire to see us destroyed. But the Bible says in John 10, 10, that he comes, the thief comes what? To kill, to kill, to steal, and to destroy. We should always be mindful that Satan is a, the song said this, he is a deceiver and a liar too. <laughs> Old folk used to sing that. In fact, the Bible tells us so emphatically that he is, Satan is, the father of lies. He is the father of lies. And usually, the offsprings have some resemblance to their father, whether they want it or not. And so demons lie because their father lies. Those who allow demons to control their lies lie because Satan is a liar. So we ought not be surprised when we hear those who are controlled by evil forces lie and try to destroy and steal because that is what the devil does. Amen. However, the good news is this. We have a loving father who never lies. But the Bible says God is not a man that he should lie or the son of man that he needs to repent. When God says something, it comes to pass. <laughs> Am I right about it? When he declares something, it will happen. 
may not happen when you want it, but God knows what he is doing. Other good thing about our Father God is that he will never, somebody say, ever give up on us no matter what. And that is the good news. And, and I am convinced that that is the one thing that irritates the enemy more than anything else. It irritates the enemy to know, Deacon Lumpkin, that no matter what someone does, God still loves them. No matter where they've been, God is still reaching and searching for them. And so the enemy's job is since I know God will never give up on them, let me convince them to somehow give up on God. If you're sitting here today angry at God, it's because the devil is at work. If you're thinking about giving up on God because things have not gone your way, it is because the enemy is speaking to your mind. You've got to know something that even if it doesn't go your way, he's still a good God. Even if it, he doesn't answer all your prayer requests. Has anyone in here ever given God your best praise on your worst days? Don't fool me now, but anybody can praise God when things go your way. Anyone can be happy when things are going right in your life. But, but, but can you take a licking and keep on ticking? Can you praise God in spite of the situation? Can you say like Job said, though he slay me, yet will I praise him. I've learned never to give up. And there have been times in my life in which I asked God for something and it did not come to pass. Trust me, I prayed for my dad's deliverance. And God said, he must go to be with me. I could have been angry. I prayed for the deliverance of so many people. Just this year alone, I have presided over funerals of at least three or four people uh, that were under the age of 30 years old. One young man died of the flu. Other young people died unnecessarily. And so I prayed, God, what are you up to? But here's what God told me, and I told you this earlier this year. God says, I, I respect your grief, but I don't really owe you an explanation. Is there anybody in here know that even when God doesn't give you an explanation, you still know how to say thank you? Lord, I still know how to praise you uh, because you never gave up on us. Even when we stop trusting God, God still believed in us. Am I right about it? Look at the text. Look at the text. As we transition to the text, let us examine this wonderful parable in this text about a father who refuses to ever give up on his son. A father who had every right to literally write him off. But he refused to do it. This parable is somewhat unique from the other two parables that are found in this same chapter. Unlike the other two parables in this chapter, we know for a fact that this young man was lost. Uh, and he had been out of his way. It was totally his responsibility and his fault. It was his fault that he was in the shape that he's in. 
And sometimes that's hard to admit, uh, uh, particularly in this age that we're living in. Everybody needs an excuse. Everybody seems to be looking for an excuse. If you talk to somebody and say, why aren't things going right for you? They want to blame everybody. It's the man. It's the job. It's society. Nobody likes me. And I doubt if my family likes me. And so you've outlined all of that. And my answer is, so what? Everybody has an excuse for why things are not going right in their life. But it, in this parable, was clearly the fault of this young man that he ended up in the position that he was in because of his selfish attitude. He demanded something from his father. He had no right to demand. How can you demand somebody else's stuff? What an entitlement attitude. Your daddy worked hard for everything he has, and when he's gone, he's going to leave something to you, but somehow somebody has infiltrated your mind, and you think that it is somebody else's fault that you're not getting what you think is yours. In fact, nothing the father had belonged to the son. It was all the father's stuff. And so help me, let me paint this visible illustration to you. He walks into his father's house, youngest son, and said, Dad, I need you to divide to me, give to me what is mine. The daddy could have said, fine, let's end this conversation right now. You can take with you everything you brought with you. And so everything you develop, you earn, you work for is yours. God bless you. But he did not do that because the father knew that this was a teachable lesson for his son. Imagine the father holding his peace. He could have been angry and upset at him and said, I, I can imagine you, the gall of you, to come and ask me for my stuff as if it belongs to you. But there is no representation that the father said anything out of the way to his son because he knew that God had the final. Oh, somebody say, say so, say so. This young man was so insensitive. Selfish people are insensitive because they can think of nothing and nobody but themselves. This young man had no regard of his father's feelings. He could not even think about what am I doing to my family? What am I doing to my dad? The hurt and pain that I'm causing him. But he was driven by his own selfish desires. All he could think of is that I want what I want and I will do what I need to do. And the Bible says he took the stuff that his dad gave him and he moved to Quote, the text says, a distant land, an unfamiliar, dangerous place that was a long way from his homeland. But listen to this. Watch this. It was a place of his own choosing. Ooh. And if you don't remember anything else, you just remember this. He ended up in a place that he chose to end up in. Nobody sent him there. There is no record of the father saying, 
go there or somebody else making him go there. He was full of himself. And so he ended up in a place that he chose. I'm sure it was a place that looked good and it was a place that was attracted to him. And it was a place that was good to you, but bad for you. Can I preach to somebody? And as long as he had resources, he was all right. As long as he had stuff, he had friends. And as long as he had his daddy's money, can I preach this? He was big man on campus. He was buying drinks for everybody. He was partying with everybody. But when you don't earn anything, it's hard for you to appreciate what it takes to get it. And the old folk put it like this, Deacon Lumpkin, easy come. Some of y'all know where we're going. And so, because he didn't have to sweat for it, and he didn't have to watch it grow, he just wasted it. The text says he wasted his inheritance on, quote, wild living. And so he was big man. He was hot shot. But one day, the money ran out. One day, stuff runs out. Hey man, how many of you know every now and then, things will run out. You may be good now, but if you don't watch it, it will run out. The old folks say, you may be up today, but down tomorrow. And don't, don't you think it'll last forever because his father's stuff run out, ran out. And here's what the Bible says. He found himself in a distant land, in a strange, unfamiliar place that turned from a party to a harsh realization. And sometimes when you got to realize that folk that hung around you when you had something never did really like you. They, they enjoyed what you could do for them. Real friends are not those that are with you when you're loaded and you got something to share. But when you're broke, busted, and disgusted and you need somebody to pray for you and tell you the truth, that's a real friend. How many of you ever had folk walk out on you uh, when they thought you had something? And so this young man lost everything he had in this distant land. He lost everything he had. And for the first time in his life, he had to do something he had never done before, get a job. He had to work something he had never done before. And he met a farmer in the distant land that wasn't concerned or familiar with his religious customs or traditions. And the farmer was a pig farmer. And if you know anything about Judaism and the Jewish customs, you would know that they despised swine and they had no dealing with swine. And so the farmer says, I've got a job for you. Go feed my swine you are to take care of that which your faith despises you are to do something that you would never have done in your father's house and the bible says that he got so bad off that he had no food to eat that he literally ate the food that the swine did eat 
Now help me with your imagination. See this. You go from the palace to the pig pen. You go from having folk wait on you to you feeding pigs. Don't tell me that when you fall, you fall hard. Some folk, when you walk away from God's grace and mercy, you fall hard. And it may not happen now, but sooner or later, you reap what you sow. Am I right about it? And so, this young man in a pig pen, feeding swine, things and, and animals he despised, but the Bible said he eventually came to his senses. And he looked around at his situation. And he says, how many of my father's servants are better off than I am? I will get out of this place. See, the first thing in redemption is that you got to come to your senses. Can I preach this? Y'all got to come back on Tuesday night. We'll finish this. But the first part of redemption is you coming to your senses. You realize that where I am is not where I need to be. You've got to come to the realization that I'm in a place that I don't need to be in. Is there anybody in here ever came to yourself and say, I set aside my pride. I set aside everything else in my life. And Father, I stretch my hand to thee. You must come to your senses. He came to himself. He had to swallow his pride. From this moment on, everything this young man did was fantastic and really wonderful. He came to himself. He swallowed his pride. He had already decided that I am going home. And he said to himself, when I see my daddy, when I get home, I will say to him, I have sinned. Second thing you've got to do is not only come to your senses, but you've got to confess it was your fault. Because as long as you're blaming somebody else, you'll never get delivered. You've just got to come to yourself and say, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Anyone in here ever had to confess to yourself, Lord, I did it, I messed up. I went astray. It wasn't the church's fault. It wasn't my family's fault. It was me. And he said, I will go to my father and I will say to him, I've sinned. I, I have gone against heaven and I've gone against you. And I don't even want you to restore me to my former position. But daddy, if you just make me a higher servant. If you would just give me the lowest of positions in your house, I am now willing to work my way up. Sometimes you need to hit rock bottom before you get your best education. Your, your, your best education is not always the University of South Carolina, Clemson, Benedict, South Carolina State. Some of your best education is the University of Rock Bottom. I, I, is it, I, let me testify. I know some of you are too proud to testify. Anybody ever matriculated from the University of Rock Bottom? I had to hit my head on the ground. But God, I dare you to shout, but God. I, I, I just need to take a pause for a minute and see if there's anybody in here that God has brought you from a long ways. You ended up in a pig pen. But
listen. We're almost done, but listen, here's the message. Here's the message. So he gets up, and he comes to himself, and he takes responsibility, and he begins on the road to redemption. Uh, and as he's traveling down the road to redemption, there is a godly father who always had the faith that one day my son would be restored. Uh, and the Bible says in verse 20, and the father saw him coming a long way off. Now watch this. Stay right there for a minute. It had to take faith because guess what? Nobody else saw him coming. The text did not say the servant saw the son coming and ran to him, Pastor Lawson, and says, uh, sir, your son is on the way. The text did not say the older brother saw his younger brother coming and ran to his dad and said, dad, our brother is on the way. The reason why they couldn't see him a long way off is because they were not looking for him. I'm here to tell you there are a whole lot of folk glad you're gone. Whole lot of folk don't miss you when you're gone. Whole lot of folk could care less if you're ever restored. But there is a father who sits up high, who looks for you every day, and he sees what others cannot see. He saw you come in. Come on, somebody. You owe God a 30-second praise on that. Where are my praises? Somebody in here. Look at somebody. Look at somebody and say, he saw me coming. He saw me coming. He looked for me. He never gave up on me. He saw what nobody else could see. Good God Almighty. Somebody owe God a praise. Because if it had not been for the Lord who saw you. I need five minutes to wrap this up. Can somebody help me preach this? Can somebody and say he saw a different son than the one he left. When the son left, he had robe on. He had shoes on his feet. He had a ring on his finger. But what the father saw coming down the road was a young man, half-dressed, no shoes, no ring on his finger. I'm so glad that when he saw me coming, I wasn't dressed up. I didn't have it all together. He smelled like the pig pen, but he was still his son. Good God Almighty, when God took you in, you didn't have it all together. Many of us still smelled like the pig pen, but God, So here's the text. 
Here's the text. <laughs> because somebody said, don't miss this. Here's, here's what you need to go home with. When the father saw him coming, the father went to meet him halfway. And before the young man could open his mouth, the father embraced him and kissed him. In other words, before this young man had a chance to confess, the father had already accepted him back. I'm here to tell you, before you can even open your mouth, he's already forgiven you. He's already decided you are worth redeeming. Somebody ought to stand to their feet and help me praise God and says, he saw me coming. He saw me coming. Leave your seat and touch somebody and say, he saw me coming before I can open my mouth. Before I can open my mouth. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. His compassion faileth not. Great is thy faithfulness. Is there anybody in here so glad that before you could confess, God had already welcomed you back. Let the church say yeah. Woo. Praise him. You owe him your best friend. Listen. Stand to your feet. Woo. He saw me coming. Look at somebody and say, he saw me coming. Tell somebody he sees you a long way off. You don't have to wait until you stop drinking. You don't have to wait until you stop smoking. Don't. You can come right now. You don't have to wait until everything is right. You can come right now. You don't have to wait until things are perfect. You can come right Somebody leave your seat, walk down those aisles, and say, here I am. Come on, come on. Come on, that's right, young man. That's right, young lady. That's right, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Listen, listen, listen. Come on. This is for you, Deacon Simmons, Deacon Lumpkin, all of my senior deacons. There's a great song that Bishop Paul Martin, uh, Bishop Carlton Pearson sings. It's an old song of the church. Uh, Senator Johnson, you'll recognize this. Lump, you'll recognize this. Father, I stretch. Any old Baptist folk in here? My hand to thee. No other help I know. If thou. Oh, Tommy, you ought to. Y'all come on to the altar. 
Come, let me pray for you. I stretch. Woo! Somebody, come, let us pray. Sing, boy, sing, sing. Any old church folk know that? Oh, no other. Y'all wave those hands in the air. I, I know. Deacon Lumpkin, that's for you, my friend. Baptist Church. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some of you young folk need to get some old church culture. That's it. Others, you like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Woo. Uh -huh. 
your mercy. Great is your mercy. How many of you know now is God's woo, Lift those hands. Woo. That was to take us back. Woo. How many of you know if it had not been for the mercy of God, you would not be here today. Donnie McClurkin sings it in a modern way. Great is. Listen. In the balcony, come, let us pray. Your loving kindness. Your loving kindness towards me. Your tender mercy. I see. Lord, I thank you for your mercy. Day after day. Maybe you are praying for somebody who's not here. And they are a long ways off. Those hands, great. Your love and kindness. Your love and kindness. Your tender mercy. Day after day. He saw you a long way off. Lift those hands, boy. church this morning and my brother gave me the authority to share this. My middle brother, Rod, we experienced one of the darkest period in our family's life. And I share this, mother, you would appreciate this. My middle brother had dropped out of college, went into the military, dropped out of the military found themselves on the streets. He was on drugs, really bad, hanging out with his family, left his family to hang out with other members of the community. So bad that 
one day Rod left home, living on the street in a crack house, in a drug-infested house. One Tuesday night, my dad and mom were going to church. We all were in the car, Frank, and we were in the back seat. We passed by the corner where all the drug addicts hung out, and there was my brother. There was my daddy's son. Tears streamed down my daddy's face. Came to church and he laid out on the altar. And he said, God, you made me a promise. And he said to us, when he went back home, God's instructions to him were to love your son like you've never loved him before. And I'll take care of the rest. Dad said he couldn't eat, he lost weight. Could you imagine him preaching to other folk about being delivered? And when church folk came to church, they had to pass the corner where his son was. But he never gave up on him. Never gave up on his son. One evening, Pastor Bradley, there was a knock at the back door. And it was my brother. Smelling like marijuana, smelling like alcohol, clothes all raggedy, hair not corn, looking dirty. But dad opened the door. He said, dad, I want to come back home. Dad embraced him. Y'all excuse me, this, this is personal. Dad threw his arms around him. Dad went and brought him some new clothes. And dad said, son. I never stopped loving you, even on that corner. He prayed with my father right there, and God changed his life. And now today, he's a deacon upstairs running the audiovisual ministry. Thank you, Rock. This morning at 8, his daughter was at church. She's a graduate of Duke University with two degrees head basketball coach at Laura Richland High School. Don't tell me what God can't do when there's a godly father who refuses to give up on your child. God can do anything. God told me to share that because in 2018 there's some rods and some Bishop Jacksons in here. And to every parent, keep the faith. To every child that may have wandered away, God's waiting on you. God's mercy is waiting on you right now. Lift those hands, Grady. That could be you. I'm proud of my brother. Man, I love you so much. I'm so glad that daddy never gave up on you, okay? I'm so glad that God can use you to touch the lives of so many others. How many of you are so glad that God never gave up on you? Lift those hands and tell them, Greg. Always. Thank you, Lord. Great is your mercy. Lord God, we thank you for this service. We thank you for this message. Thank you for this altar call. 
Yes, we stretch our hand to thee. No other help we know. And yes, great is your mercy. It is of your mercy that we've not been destroyed. Your compassion faileth not. It is renewed every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord. Because just like my brother Rod, there's somebody else in here who may be going through something very, very rough. Something that they're not proud of right now. They're in a place where they don't want to be. Just like you did it for him, you can do it for them. And I thank you, Lord, on this Father's Day for every godly father who stands by your child no matter what they've gone through. No matter what they're doing, your love never ends. Thank you, Lord, for being our Heavenly Father that loves us despite it all. Touch someone right now that's viewing by way of internet, someone listening by way of radio, Lord. Remind them that you can reach them. You see them a long way off. This is our prayer. Your name we pray and give thanks. Those who know it is so. Maybe there's somebody in here today who wants to stand at this altar after this prayer. You want to give your life to the Lord. You want to be like that son who said, I don't care what they say or do. Hear my Lord. God's waiting on you. In Jesus' name, amen. Put your arms around somebody and say, God's waiting on you. Come on, maybe there's somebody else right. Great is. Maybe you want to make that commitment wherever you are right now. Come on, you can, you can do it right now. Right now. Let this be your moment. Let this be your moment. Amen. You want to, be, you want to give your life back. You just want to commit yourself to the Lord. Great is. Come on. Give God a hand of praise. Amen. Somebody say, but God, but God, is there anybody else who said, Lord, that, that's me. That's my story. Your ten, wherever you are, you can walk down the aisles or get a card from the ministers right now. God's calling you right now, but God, great is. Just wave those hands. He'll never leave you. Always. Wherever you are now, great is. Everybody find somebody, put your arms around them and say, but God, but God. He's waiting on you. God's waiting on you. Maybe there's somebody else who want to join these and give your life to the Lord. You're Come on, if you want to join the church, if you want to be saved, if you just want to come back to the Lord, God is calling you. But God, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great is. 
Come on, one more time. Great is your mercy. Great is Tender mercy. Your tender mercy. Great is. Give God a praise for the word of God. Amen. What an awesome word on this Father's Day. Want to remind all of our military fathers and those single fathers in our main sanctuary next door, we're giving away. $25 gift cards from Walmart. Amen. Give God a praise for that to all military fathers, those that have current, those that are currently and have served in the military, and all of those single fathers. Don't forget about Tuesday night as our pastor will continue. Amen. This series, A Long Ways From Home. Once again, to Representative Smith and his family, thank you so much. Amen. We ask that you pray for him. Amen. Come greet him after church if you have time. Greet his family with uplifted hands. Once again, a happy Father's Day to all of our fathers. With uplifted hands, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. In Jesus' name we pray and all of God's children said amen.